when you get the opportunity to meet someone, I'm sure your listeners feel this way for you. Like if they saw you in a cafe and you were just sitting there, like what is the one question you would ask her? And, and you guys should be thinking about that. Like what is the thing that actually could capture her mind share for long enough to hold a conversation that would create a relationship and something great could come of that. But most people just don't prepare and they just show up to an event thinking they want to learn instead of what do I actually want to get out of this? You've gotten great at divine working, but what about divine living? Welcome to the Divine Living Podcast. I'm your host, Gina DeVee. You're not alone in wanting more. And here at the Divine Living Podcast, you can expect to be part of conversations from women like us who unapologetically dream big and are obsessed with manifesting our most fabulous lives. The conversation starts now. Divine Living Queens. Oh, I have such a treat for you today. Wait till you see who I am bringing your way. It is Natalie Workman, the Vice President of Operations for Cardone Ventures. You are going to get to hear this business mogul as well as this sweet, genuine, totally real woman, someone who I am so grateful to know. And she's somewhat of a new friend of mine. We met through another dear friend of ours, Danelle Delgado. And you just better like sit down, get that whatever note-taking device out because you're going to be, I know, taking lots of notes after you hear from this powerhouse today. So Natalie, welcome to the Divine Living Podcast. What an introduction. Who are you introducing? (laughs) (laughs) I actually, I love that you said whatever note-taking device because people have their preferences. You're either a paper note person or you are an electronic device note person. Yep. I mean, I am a pen and journal, but I think I sounded like I was 87 years old when I'm like, grab your pens and paper, ladies. So, cause everyone, everyone else is like on their phones, but so, yes. <laughs> I like that you're a pen and paper person. <laughs> totally. Totally. So I'm so excited. I'm sure many people already follow you on Instagram. If you haven't been following Natalie on Instagram, you are now welcome because her Insta stories are amazing. And I think basically what I want to share with everyone is Natalie to me has the best combination of all of it. She's fun and feminine and female. And the other thing I think that I love about you, Natalie, is you seem to be the exact opposite of me. Like your superpowers and zone of genius, ladies, you understand Natalie has trained and hired hundreds of employees and she's like a genius at scaling companies, which we're going to discuss as well. I think like the weakest area in business for me is, sorry for my current team who's listening, is hiring. If you're on my team and you're listening, it's because I got really lucky, but it has nothing to do with my skill set around hiring. So Natalie, why don't you just tell everyone kind of who you are and what you do, and then we'll take it from there. I love that. Yeah. So I am, I mean, you could call me a professional hire. I do that along with many other things, but I work at a company that my fiance and I co-founded with a guy named Grant Cardone. This business has been in place for 18 months and we are taking everything that the three of us have learned in the businesses that we've been in the past and all the things that we've messed up doing and doing it right this time. And we've had so many failures. The last business that my fiance and I did together, I mean, I almost didn't come out of it because I was so frustrated with myself and felt like such a failure. And in many ways... I didn't realize at the time that I was learning as much as I was about not hiring the right team members, not training them properly, not really giving them something that they could latch into that was going to propel their careers. So all the mistakes that we've made has finally come to present an opportunity to do it the right way this time. And it's been a joy to build over the last 18 months. Amazing. Well, it certainly does look that way. So tell everyone what Cardone Ventures is and what you do there. Yeah. So Cardone Ventures is a management consulting company. So we work with businesses between two to 50 million in annual revenue, and we help them scale and grow their businesses, whether that's in their marketing needs, their finance needs, their people needs, which is my specialty. I also do operations. I love talking key performance indicators and how you measure things and track them and all that fun stuff. Most people (laughs) cringe at that. Uh, The good news about that though, and I always tell people this, 
I've learned this. Like I am 27 years old. It is not like it's some magic that only certain people know how to do. Like I knew nothing when I started. I had read some books and I did well in school, but it really is a system and a process. And that's what we bring to business owners with Part on Ventures. But here's what you have that other people don't. A love for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that's like when, like when you talk about this stuff, like I see how lit up you are. Like I still go into shutdown when I get an email that has an Excel attachment to it. Like, <laughs> and I love, I mean, I know what I'm lit up about and that's great, but it's like, I love seeing women who have found what they're lit up by. Like you're just yes. like in it and you're like, feel so empowered and you're like going to the next level with it. And so, yes. I honestly, if you would have talked to me even four years ago, I don't think that I would have the same level of passion. And it's it's a similar story to a lot of people in that I stumbled upon this. My fiance, I've worked with him now for seven years. I dropped out of college and, and actually his business is the only type of business that I've ever been in. I interned at his company when I was 18. The whole thing sounds a little scandalous and... It kind of is, but you know, I appreciate that. I, I find that to be true. The things that you try to hide with people when you just come out and say it in the get, then they, they can understand and empathize. And some people agree, some people don't, but it is what it is. But I started and I hated all of the details and the minutia, but he's such a big visionary. I can't also be the visionary in the room. We can't have two people that are just casting these visions. And so I had to learn okay, how do you take something like that and actually put the resources and the planning and the structure behind it to make it happen? Because that's not necessarily... He's good at that, but that's not his... That's not his... No, no visionary is good at that. That's, like, that's true. That's why you are the, the superpower to anyone in that in ops position, I think. It's like the sexiest thing that, that a visionary can find. So true. So true. Every, <laughs> every visionary... how lucky he is? He does realize how lucky he is. Even when he doesn't want to realize it, he realizes it. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Well, I mean, speaking of big thinking and, and visionaries, like well, I think many of us have read Rocket Fuel and realized that like there's a visionary. You can have this amazing vision, but if you don't have somebody who knows how to actually implement the vision, it goes yes. nowhere. And and sort of vice versa, if there's not the like the, the mutual skills together. So Big thinking, you said 18 months ago, you like started this brand new company. It's like, mm-hmm. how did that come about? Oh, yes. So Brandon, my fiance, uh, had a business that he sold in 2016. And after selling this business, he was still working in it. And I was doing some consulting on the side, but we weren't really pushing towards something. It's so crazy when you actually achieve everything that you think you want. And I feel like I've gotten like this behind the scenes look at this. He sold this business for a ridiculous amount of money. Like it's it's stupid. It, it doesn't even make sense to me. But I watched this person who I love finally achieve everything he ever wanted. And then all of a sudden, the desire to push and the understanding of where you're going next just goes away. And so for two years, we... We're just a spiral sounds like really dramatic. It probably wasn't a spiral with most people. Like there was no, there were no drugs involved. There was nothing crazy, but we just, we bought stupid things. We bought, we're actually here in Cabo San Lucas now. We purchased a house down here thinking that we were going to retire. I was 25 years old thinking (laughs) I was going to retire. Yeah. Like I just, I don't know what I was thinking. I wish I would have had more. I don't know, just more people in my life to tell me how dumb I was being at the time. But in that process, I finally was like, you know what, we cannot just be on a beach for months at a time because this is not what's best for us. It's not what's best for our community or our family or the world. And so I started doing some research into social media influencers. And one of the people I came across was Grant Cardone. And to be honest, I was not a Grant fan initially. I did not like anything about his message. He was too flashy. It was too over the top for me. I'm like, this guy, absolutely not. And so I looked into other people. Have you looked into the mirror was a question. Like, that's over the top for you? (laughs) It's funny now. uh, But at the time, I was like, oh, gosh, we could never. And 
then I found his wife, Elena, and she just totally won me over and let me see a different side. So long story short, Brandon was still in this slow phase while I was in this ramp up phase. And so for four months, I was trying to find unique ways to just get him re-energized. And I finally put on the 10X rule for them or for him in the car. He listened to it, loved it. And so we bought tickets to one of their events and showed up there and realized it was the real deal and that they didn't actually have a business component to their business. They did real estate, they did sales, but we provide the business solutions. And so we pitched Grant and Elena and their team on creating this venture called Cardone Ventures. And that all happened a year and a half ago. This is like, this is what I love about you. You could be like still having a margarita on the beach right now. And you're the one out there. You were like the visionary then for those four months in terms of like what's next and what's possible. Tens of thousands of people have gone to a Grant Cardone event and you guys are like, let's pitch Grant Cardone and go into business with him. That's what we decided to do. And we just did it in our way. We take things very seriously. Like if we're going to show up to an event, I know exactly what I'm going to get out of that event, who I want to meet, what I'm wanting to learn, how many connections I'm wanting to make. Like I'm so specific about it. And so when we came to that event, I had done hours, like not like 10 hours, like 100 hours of research so that when you get the opportunity to meet someone, I'm sure your listeners feel this way for you. Like if they saw you in a cafe, and you were just sitting there, like what is the one question you would ask her? And and you guys should be thinking about that. Like, what is the thing that actually could capture her mind share for long enough to hold a conversation that would create a relationship and something great could come of that. But most people just don't prepare and they just show up to an event thinking they want to learn instead of what do I actually want to get out of this? Amazing. I love the boldness. I love the boldness and the fierceness. Like it's a hundred hours. That's a lot of preparation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it was. But when you're involved with something like that, like I take it like a student, like I'm serious. I'm a serious student. I got straight A's. So valedictorian in high school, I got an academic scholarship in college. Like you, you have to take things seriously. And that's how you get places in life is you take your goals seriously. I recognize that I needed this in order to propel my fiance and I forward. We were stuck. I feel lucky that I was in a position where in my head, I was in a crisis. Everybody could look at us and say, oh, they're not in a crisis. They're doing well and blah, blah, blah. But what a lot of people don't understand is when you stop pushing forward and you don't have this potential that you're chasing, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. All that matters is what's going to happen in the future. And if your future isn't clear, then all of a sudden you're just feeling lost and and sad, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I, I tell that to the people at my seminars, you know, I wasn't really worried about the former struggling psychotherapist in me who was like, you know, living at home with her parents. That's like, obviously, I was going to get out of that. The danger zone is when you have sort of arrived and you've made the money and life is comfortable and you've done mm-hmm. the things. And then, you know, are you going to really dig within to like continue your soul's journey or are you just going to plateau and kind of atrophy? Mm-hmm. So, so cool. So cool. So I just want to go back to that. Like, were you like attached to like, getting this deal done? Or were you nervous about it? Or were you like, "Eh, whatever, where it happens, happens? Well, we weren't attached to it at the point in which it happened. We were there to do research if the audience really was a real audience. There's nothing wrong with teenagers who love Grant Cardone. However, teenagers don't have the businesses that we would want to partner with. So when we were there, we were talking with everybody to understand what size their businesses were. And so going into it, there wasn't this pressure to meet Grant and Elena and to pitch them on this idea because we were doing our research so that when the time came and we knew that that would come at some point in the future, it wasn't fully spelled out, but we knew that at some point that was going to happen. And so we were doing everything to make that ready. It's actually funny because when we got there there was this moment where we could have kind of jumped on the opportunity grant at it. There was 25,000 people at this event. It wasn't even like a 800 person event. It's the largest event they've ever done. And randomly grant decided to walk up to Brandon. Brandon had gone to the bathroom and never met the person in his life. He just randomly gave Brandon a hug. And then he kept walking through the audience and I was going to the bathroom and he saw me 
and he gave me a hug and he said, thank you for being here. We're so glad you're here. And just, I mean, there's security, there's people swarming him. And so both of us looked at each other and thought, was that the right moment? And here's the deal. There will always be another moment. Like it, you don't have to just suffocate the life out of that second. Let it breathe, let it be okay. But then when we made the pitch the next time, I think that he may have remembered, may, may have not, I should ask him now, but it just didn't feel as high pressured. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So, um, so speaking of high pressure, you just bought something not that long ago. Oh, yes. Yes, we did. <laughs> what? Tell everyone what it is and what that's like. So we bought a 16 passenger airplane just a little shy of a month ago. And this thing is going to change our lives and our business for the next 10 years. I don't know how long airplanes run, to be honest. I know nothing about airplanes. I don't even think Brandon really knows all that much about airplanes. But we bought this thing because we travel. We're at events almost every single weekend. We take our team with us to these events. Like This thing is to propel us forward. It's terrifying. There is so much pressure involved with just knowing, I mean, you're, you're, I guess when you own a plane, you're not supposed to talk about how much it costs to operate a plane. But I look at those numbers and I'm like, <laughs> this is a lot of money. Like we do not sleep on this thing. We work, we meet. There is like, it is not a leisure tool. It is like, we are here to be able to come together and get major stuff done. I mean, first of all, it's, you know, it looks just amazingly like glamorous and awesome. I love it. It's the, the reason I want to bring this up is the mentality around it. And I think particularly for women, so many women are have just been conditioned and I don't I don't blame anyone for this as much as I want to inspire and wake us women up around it. It's like we've been taught to think about how much is something going to cost. And then the minute it even like involves money, we I see women doing this U-turn and running mm-hmm. for the hills. And here you're looking at it in a whole different way. So why don't you talk about, I mean, yes, uh, somebody needs to be looking at those expenses, Natalie. So I'm happy for Brandon that someone's aware of how much it does cost. But like, again, why is this an investment and not a cost? Yeah, it's because in order to actually pay for this plane, that we have to capitalize on the opportunity that is out there. And then that means we have to make the choice that we every single day are showing up for those opportunities. If there is a business meeting that's happening in Denver, and then a couple hours later, we have to be in Los Angeles for another potential opportunity. It's not that we know and have certainty today that those opportunities exist. They're not tangible. But this tool allows us to show up to those opportunities. So for many people, that might not be purchasing a plane. But that could be you show up, you spend $5,000 to go to a mastermind and you think, oh, it's going to cost $5,000. But if every single day you're writing down that one of your goals is to have a million dollar business, how can you ever create a million dollar business if you yourself aren't willing to part with $5,000 in order to get the tools and resources to be that million dollar business owner? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like... One of my favorite lines from Grant is, you know, talking about baby money, like the money that we're holding on to or that we even think we aspire to. And like, what a level of baby money, considering like how much abundance is out there. And, you know, I know my community isn't necessarily about going after the money for the money's sake. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, what I always share is I'm not even financially motivated, but I'm obsessed with my desires and my desires Mm -hmm. just happen to cost the level of money (laughs) that they do. So I very unapologetically, you know, I'm continuing to move myself forward and see where do I need to be making investments and where do I need to stretch and, you know, what money is actually important to make so that I'm living my authentic life, not the other way around. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, anything you want to say about encouraging women to be less afraid of making money on their terms, spending money on their terms, any of that I think would be really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Money is the thing that gets anybody what they actually want. And just like you said, most people, they almost think it's a bad thing to be financially motivated or to to say something as crazy as I love money. However, you have to think about it in the form of if you, Elena actually just gave me this analogy the other day. 
she said, if you think of a farmer and a far- one farmer plants 12 crops in order to feed the family and the farmer next door plants 120 crops in order to feed the, the same size family and there a storm comes in and it turns out that there is only eight crops left for the first farmer and there's only 80 for the second. The person that did the 80 for the second, it's not about, oh, I have so many crops. It's they can actually go and provide for everybody else around them because they planned and were in abundance and had this plus like it's a survival thing. It's not a selfish thing. And I think one of the most selfish things that people can do is just think about their needs and what their expenses are and what their financial wishes are. Because what you're forgetting is all of the people around you who could benefit the schools, the churches, the communities, the world would be such a better place, but no one wants to talk about it. But the world would be such a better place if everybody was financially motivated because we wouldn't be fighting about the tax structure. The communities would be in abundance to be able to create that and generate that on their own. And, you know, there's so many different beliefs that come into place with that. But I so challenge, especially women, because I too have found that working with women, they just tend to get more nervous and and it's not something that is as openly talked about. Like really write down and check what money mindset issues that you have and what things kind of resound from if it's childhood or maybe it was a boyfriend growing up or whoever it is that has kind of created the model that you have around money. And I think traditionally, you probably know better about than I would. Like your parents, like how your parents would bend or save if they had their paycheck and then they'd spend it instantly versus ones that would put all of it away and you never were able to spend it. Like that really does make an impact on your spending decisions. And for any female business owners out there, one of the main things that I try to coach people around is if you have a product or service that is $5,000, we're going to use the $5,000. You sell, maybe it's a 12 month coaching course and it's plus a mastermind and plus a couple of other things. It's $5,000. If you aren't able to translate the value of that $5,000 to your team, who you have to address their money issues too. If you're going to build a business that's not just dependent upon you, that you have other people, a sales team that's going to handle it, you have to address their financial issues. And if they wouldn't spend $5,000 on a product like this for themselves, that is going to hinder their ability to sell your product and to sell people who are in the same position that might be nervous about spending it. And so you have to get over this idea of exchange with people so that you can push your products further. You can push your services further by handling this and it all starts with you. Mhm. Mhm. So so good. So you hang out, you know, it seems like though there's women around you and obviously Elena, but you're very much in a uh, male space. And you know, I think that a lot of women in the women entrepreneur community, they almost make that a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And I find around business and money, I think it's really important that we women learn how to create wealth based on feminine principles because it's more sustainable for us. However, I think there's a lot of wounding that's gone on with women and culturally and traditionally that hasn't gone on with the men. So I love learning from men and women. So what are some of the top tips around anything money related that you've picked up from the guy's playbook? Oh, that's a good question. The guy's playbook. Uh, one of my favorites, you know, I, Brandon has taught me so much and he always tells me that money is only an issue in the absence of value. So something is $200 and there's an objection that somebody has to potentially paying $200 for that. Instead of saying, oh, well, I'll make it $100. You have to think about it in the terms of they don't understand the value of this $200. This value is actually $600, but they're only seeing 100. So you have to think of the, of the pitch. You have to think about the way that you're coming across and selling is just as much of a taboo in field communities that I've worked in as money is because 
like, oh, salespeople are bad. Salespeople are sleazy, but we're selling people every single day on who we are, why they should trust us, why they should buy from us. And so money is only an issue in the absence of value. I tell, I write that down every single day when I'm doing my morning uh, journaling, because it's just something that I have to get over. And it's something I'm crafting in, in my own sales skills and pitch at, at this point in my life, because sometimes I get an objection. Our services start at $30,000. And when a client pushes back and says, Oh, I just don't have that money right now. But they equally on the same hand say that they want a $5 million business when they only have a $2 million business. It's not that it's the money that's the issue. It's they don't actually see the value. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Awesome. And is there anything around like worthiness? So um, I was teaching in one of my classes earlier today. It was actually that we were on like the wealth consciousness week. And I said, you know, like what, what's like the big block that you think that you've got around making more money? And the chat blew up. And I promise you, Natalie, every third comment was, I'm not worthy, worthiness issues. And this is like, I see this mm -hmm. with women. I can't imagine you see that as much with the, the guys you're hanging around. So what like either insights or advice do you have for the women in the divine living community that you've picked up from the guys you're around? Yeah, to be honest, that's never something I've even heard a, a man in the world that I'm in say. They set such high money goals. Like they write down, and I do this myself every single morning. I write down that I want to have a personal net worth, not a joined with Brandon. I want to have personally created a hundred million dollar net worth. I write that down every single morning. Yes, because girl. Yes. I have to remind myself, like mm -hmm. you have to remind yourself of what is important to you. And oh yeah, if I'm getting stuck in this small thing, but really I have this big goal over here, like I need to reprioritize and change where I'm spending my energy every day. Having this idea that you're not worthy, I would ask the question, who is worthy? Like, why is Jeff Bezos or mm -hmm. Bill Gates worthy or, you know, Steve Jobs? Why are they worthy? And why aren't you? Like, they, they weren't born any different. They weren't created with any greater opportunity than you have with the ability, especially in today's age. I mean, you can find anything on the internet, anything at all. If you are interested and you are to take seriously the, the financial goals that you have and the goals that you have to buy things, there is no reason that you aren't worthy of that. You just have to tell yourself, this is what my goal is. I am worthy of whatever this number is. And whatever the number is, my sincere recommendation is you take that number, the craziest number you can think of and multiply it by 10. Because here's the deal. The 10x rule, the the book that Grant wrote, we do everything is 10x, every, you know, t-shirt and hat around us says 10x. And why is that? It's because most people set their goals and they say, Oh, I want to make I think my first goal was I want to have a one million dollar net worth. This was like three years ago when I first was writing my goals down. And then I listened to the 10x rule and I was like, okay, I'm gonna 10x that. I'm gonna put 10 million dollars. Now, why do that? Because in order to actually hit the one million. You have to put so much energy and effort to move from where you are today into that space that if you're not actually making it bigger than it is, you're not going to put the energy into it. If you set okay goals or decent goals or attainable goals, if the score isn't big enough to change all of the things that you have to change in your life, and there's so much more change and hardship than you think that's going to come, than most people think, than what's going to come with success. So if you already know that on the front hand, then you can say, okay, I'm going to make it bigger. I'm going to go after this so that I can come across those roadblocks and be okay with it because I know that if I get there, the score is so massive that you can feel like you already knew that was going to come and you're good with it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. It's, it's about thinking bigger, valuing yourself more, not making it okay or even not okay for others and really mm -hmm. getting into whatever the big dream is for you. Like every, mm -hmm. every woman get, gets to choose that. So let's go back to this. You mentioned like, let's pretend like a $2 million business that wants to scale to a $5 million business. What are your top tips for scaling either? Like what are the things you see people don't do or what the block is and then what needs to happen for a company to scale? Every business that we work with has the first issue and you mentioned it when we started this call and that is people. So many times leaders, business owners get stuck in the 
they have to do it, especially at that $2 million range. There's some crazy statistics out there that essentially 90% of United States businesses are have one employee, which is the founder. So when you think about a breakpoint, if we're going to scale a business, the first breakpoint is the owner being able to duplicate what they do. And they don't think about it because they're so busy doing it that they think they're the only ones that can do it. But to the extent in the first break point, which is normally around that one to $2 million number, that the business owner can actually document and to create a model around what it is that they do so that they could hire somebody else. And it's not just one person, they should hire three other people to do that same thing to allow their income to be replaced for that. We work a lot with audiology practices in the past. And the idea for the owner of the business, who is always a technician, it's the audiologist. It's the person who left somebody else's audiology business or who started from school and never really had the reference points of working for somebody else. And you take them and they're making, they have a million dollar practice currently. And they say that they want to have five. Well, the way to do that and actually replace their income so that they can go off and they can be on a beach somewhere, whatever their personal, professional and financial goals are, is to be able to hire three other people to replace that income and then have those three people hire three people. So all of a sudden you have the depth in the team. But the mistake every single person makes when quote unquote scaling their business is they just start hiring people, not thinking of how to duplicate themselves first. Fascinating, fascinating. And then does the first thing that come up for people say like, well, wait a minute, I don't want to pay three salaries for this one area? Right. Well, so that's why, I mean, the financial model has to work that way. So in, in an audiology business, traditionally, you have, if it, you have a $1.2 million business, the owner from a owner's discretionary earnings standpoint, which essentially means that what the owner is making outside of the things that they're charging back to the business, if they're making $300,000, what you're really looking to do, you're not looking to replace the $1.2 million at the top line revenue, you're wanting to replace your earnings. And so if, if you're paying a brand new audiologist who's just come out of school or whatever business you're in, if you're paying somebody to do that same exact work, they would be making 100000 and they're likely not going to be as good as you. They're not going to be able to generate $1.2 million unless... Well, I mean, they would be going out and starting the business on their own if they could. That's, that's mm -hmm. kind of the, the idea behind entrepreneurship. They would be going and doing it. Mm -hmm. So you know that you're not going to be hiring that same person. So that's why you have to have three people to make up for the one they're still offsetting their costs. It's not a, it's not an expense on the business, but it allows the business to lift. And quite honestly, people think that they need, when we tell them this, they're like, okay, I had to find three people. Well, in reality, you actually have to find none because you are looking for three people that are going to be rock stars who are aligned with where the business is going. You will have to go through nine people, six others that will not work out. And you need to know that on the front end, you're not going to hire the perfect person every time. And that's okay. Like people are not perfect. I am doing something right. You are doing something right. Because that's like, that's impossible to think I am a great hire. This is one of like, one of those skills that if I ever needed to update my resume, I would put at the top, like, I really I know how to read a resume well, and I know how to interview well. I do not get that right 100% of the time. And I'm okay with not having a perfect retention rate because people need to leave and people need to get out of the organization. And I need to be okay with that. And so does every business owner. That is okay. What a great lesson for women to hear. You know, we get to make mistakes and then we get to learn from them. I think that I was working with a woman earlier today where she was so terrified of making a mistake with money. And I was just like, look at it's like, it's like cooking in food or like playing an instrument. Like you can't expect yourself to never burn the toast, to never play a sharp or a flat note. And, you know, but I think women are in such straight jackets about money that it, they're like going to go to like some sort of prison if they, God forbid, made a mistake with money. And, um, and women are so hard on themselves. I was like, one woman was saying like she couldn't forgive herself for making this $3,300 mistake from like 10 years ago mm. in her business. And I was like, honey, until you're starting to tell me you made seven figure mistakes, like it's not even seriously, <laughs> seriously, make bigger mistakes. That's part of the problem too. It's like, if you're not confident, here's before you even think about scaling and growing a business, you should feel so confident in your ability to go back to the thing that made you the money in the first place. So that for if that's, 
in, in many cases, it is sales. And that's why we are such like strong people when it comes to honing and perfecting your sales skills. Because if you know how to sell something, you can sell just about anything. And you will always feel good that, okay, if, if I risk this money, if I invest the $3,300, then if it goes away, that's okay, because I know how to go regenerate $3,300. And if you don't know how to do that, you probably shouldn't be scaling and growing a business to begin with, like learn your skill, be the best at it. And that's when you duplicate it with other people. But you can't just start a business and be kind of okay, and scale and grow and add a bunch of people because it's going to make your problem worse. So being the best even though in your environment, you might not know what that looks like, you know, at the end of the day, I think everybody does when I slack off at something, when I show up to a meeting, and I'm not prepared, or I only put 70% of my effort into a workout. At the end of the day, when I go to bed, I know what that felt like. And I, I believe in business, everybody knows what that feels like, too. They know when they didn't do their research, they know when they didn't prepare and get the skills needed to be an, a master and an expert at that thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Speaking of workouts, I believe I've seen on your stories that you're a member of the 5 a.m. club. I, I recently, I've recently become a member. <laughs> well, I think, I think many of us join and we, we lapse in our membership and then we rejoin. I so, would agree with that. Yes, yes, yes. So let's talk about how you form great habits as a woman entrepreneur. What are some of yours? I started in quarantine. Quarantine changed my life. The very best thing that has ever happened to Natalie Workman over the course of the last 27 years on this planet was being in quarantine because it forced me to get really real with my excuses and the reasons that I didn't do anything in the past. I could say, oh, it's because I travel or I have these meetings or I have an event I have to speak at or blah, blah, blah. I could could blame anything for every year of my life. I could do that. And then you get confined in your house and the excuses completely go away. So uh, the start of quarantine, I made a commitment to myself that every day, including weekends, I would wake up before the sun rose. I would be in bed by 930. Now, I don't, I've probably never told anybody this, but I was on sleeping pills for like two years because I made this excuse that I was traveling and there was jet lag and whatever. I could not sleep. I mean, I, I've my entire life been a night out and would go to bed at one o'clock. So this was a massive change for me. Wow. But I got off sleeping pills last year and it was still hard for me to sleep. But I made this really radical commitment to myself and I've just not let myself break it since then. And once you just commit and you're disciplined, it's mind-blowing the other areas of life that you become confident in because you know that you're disciplined in these certain other areas and physical like well-being is such a huge priority for me because I've now felt the benefits of that and so I can't not do it like it's a disservice I know it's a disservice now to myself and more importantly to my team and the clients that we serve when I don't do those things, because I feel less confident, I might not make the recommendation, I might not be as hard to somebody or as hard on somebody as I would have been, I might not hold somebody accountable, because I'm not holding myself accountable in these other areas. Mm-hmm. So good. I know, you know, I'm such a, such an extremist. So I'm either like totally on the wagon or totally off, you know, so Same. I'm either like, up at like 4.30 and 5 and I'm doing my reading and my meditating, my journaling and my workout, or it's just like none of it. Like it yes. goes so, um, and yeah, like that sacred time in the morning of just, it's such a gift. And I feel so, fortunately these days, it's more often that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the wagon these days. So it's like, it's like loving that morning time and even getting up before the alarm, you know, like just naturally waking up. I've never done that before. Never, ever. Not once. (laughs) That's coming your way, girl. That's coming your way. Oh gosh. Okay. Can't wait. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I just like greet the day with such anticipation. And it's like the, like my morning reading time, it's like such the gift. I still have to hire the trainer to get the accountability in the workout department. Otherwise that's not going to happen, but I do, you know, like I pay and I invest in personal training mm-hmm. because I know if the, the trainer is not showing up at my door, I will stay on the couch with my journal and coffee. And I made three commitments to transform different areas of my life this year. And one of them was my body. And so unlike you during quarantine, I was like at adult camp. 
So I took four <laughs> months off of the workout brigade, but thank goodness for the last minute because uh, Q4 here, we're ramping it up. There you go. But you just said something that's really powerful and that is spending money in order to make those things happen. When you have a trainer that is showing up, and this is with all things, as you, I was thinking as you were asking about the money tenants, this two-way relationship between money following attention, but also attention following money. If you know, whatever price range it is, if, if your workout membership is $30 a month and that's a lot for you, or if you have some LA trainer that is you know $100 per hour, if you know that that is happening, you do not you do not work around it because you it pulls you forward and so finding something in whatever goal it is but especially with money putting your money so that your attention actually follows that thing is the easiest way to change a habit because you you have to you don't have a choice right i'm not going to like tell my trainer to like walk do a u turn when they're at the front door exactly um, yeah it's and it's such it's just such a gift i think we women we like there's so much like self-start that we have to have within us. And there's so much that mm -hmm. we're directing. There's so much that we are kind of sourcing from within ourselves to make happen. So, you know, I've just given myself permission in many areas of my life to not have to be the source of the motivation. I'll pay for it. <laughs> yes. I don't have to be the source of it. To make that's sure being it smart though. I think that that's the smartest thing that you can do is to put that out there so that you're pulled forward. It's the idea of some people get push towards things. And if you're somebody who responds well to that, that's fine. But for people who have created some level of success in their life, you have to create these artificial things that pull mm -hmm. you forward because you have to be there. You're putting an event on your calendar. Okay, I'm showing up. I'm like toying with this idea of doing a bikini competition, not because I would be great at a bikini competition, but because I, I want to eat better. I, for the as good as I am about waking up and working out, I'm a horrible eater. My favorite food is chicken wings and like queso dip oh. and nacho cheese, like all of it. I love all of it. And like the really bad stuff, the Taco Bell, the McDonald's, I'm the worst. But so I pay, I exchange money, which is valuable to me in order to enter a competition that holds me into the future and forces me to be disciplined because the last thing I want to do is be in the shape I'm in now at a bikini competition. But anybody can do that. That's not just unique to me. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is that you want to achieve in life, you just, you create something that's going to pull you towards it so that every morning you wake up, you're like, shoot, got to do that today or else this bad thing's going to happen or I'm going to show up really prepared for this great thing. Yep. Oh my gosh. I love it. I won't see you at any bikini competition anytime soon, but I love, <laughs> I love your big thinking. In our last moments here, Natalie, you know, one of the other things I love about you, you're in this like super like big success business mogul world and you just bring such femininity and such womanhood mm -hmm. to all that you do. And it's just, it's, it's such a delightful balance. It's part of why I've just loved our connection. It's part of why I love watching you on Insta stories and what you do. And I've just, um, my heart really went out to you about what you were sharing last night. And I just thought you handled this situation with so much grace, so much mm -hmm. queenliness. Do you want to share what you were talking about? Because I think that People, everybody's had to pivot this year and some mm. people have had a lot of disappointments in different ways and some very specific to the ways that you've needed to pivot. And I just thought it was so tender and heartfelt. Well, yeah. Well, first of all, I appreciate that because me, just like so many other women have really struggled how to be a woman in business and mm -hmm. how to bring that thing that I know is innate inside of me into something that feels so structured and like there's no room for it. And so mm -hmm. figuring out how I can be in that space and actually take it as my responsibility to make room for it has been something that has been a journey. So anyway, I really appreciate that acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. When it comes to the post that you're referring to, I was supposed to get married this year for any of you guys who likely don't know me. I'm sure most of you don't know me and it's great to meet you. But I was supposed to get married this year. It was actually supposed to be over this past weekend. And Corona didn't exactly allow that to happen. It was not in her plan for this year. And so 
about two weeks ago, I recognized that we were going to be in Cabo, which is where we're getting married over the exact same day that we're supposed to get married. And instead of just, there's a couple things that I did really strategically, actually, I could have just thought that it would be a good idea to make sure that my fiance planned something without actually telling him to plan something, aka read my mind. I don't know if you guys have ever had this experience or if you've ever had this experience where that doesn't work out very well, but <laughs> I have had many experiences where you can't read my mind. And sometimes it's frustrating and I didn't want to be frustrated on this particular day. So instead, I decided to surprise him and to take the situation that I was disappointed about. Uh, we've been together for uh, almost six years or a little over six years. And I started uh, planning with the events person at this place that we go to. And he put together with me this like gorgeous setup where there were flowers and it was this dinner. And I kind of messed up the surprise. I went the wrong entrance and there's supposed to be rose petals. And we were like walking on sand and it like hurt my feet. And I like got a blister and all of that ended up to be okay. But I surprised Brandon in this setting that was really celebratory of the two of us instead of focusing on being upset about not having this wedding and being upset about all of that. Brandon and I really had the chance to talk about what the next 365 days are going to be like um, and celebrate with the two of us. And at the end of the day, that's what that celebration is for anyway. And it really has taught me that over this past six months, even though that was one of the big goals for this year, when starting 2020, mm-hmm. I definitely thought that checking the wedding off the list was going to be something that was going to happen. And it didn't. But there were so many other things that I was able to focus on. Like once that became a non sequitur, once that was no longer an option, what energy could I then shift into the business into developing my skill set into working out. And so when I look at the other goals that I had that I started this year with, sure, wedding was not one of them that was checked off. However, I exceeded three of the other ones because I was intentional about refocusing energy. And so many people talk about the pivot. And I think it's not just about pivoting because you can pivot in a bad way. I could have pivoted and been really upset and just torn up about it. Or you can pivot and say, okay, how can you make this better in so many other ways and really use it in the cliche way as thinking of it as an opportunity. And so that for me was a cool opportunity for us to be able to just celebrate this thing that still is to come. And we still get to be excited that it's going to be coming. So we weren't sad. There were no tears. It was all awesome. Oh my goodness, Natalie. Thank you for sharing that. And for any of you that didn't see, I mean, she's so underplayed what she actually did. There was like this epic beachfront, you know, like a terraced flowered, like gorgeousness out of a magazine, like private dinner that she arranged for them. So yes, yeah, it was very special. And I love, you're reminding me, there's a line in the Course in Miracles that says, anything lacking from any given situation is what you yourself are not giving. And I think that there's so many women that just want their man to read their mind and surprise them and do the thing. And it's like you went and, and gave and created and created a memory that you and Brandon will have for the rest of your lives. Mm-hmm. So true. I, that is the magic in relationships and especially, I think you know this, right? It's working with your spouse and working in close proximity over the last mm-hmm. nine months with your spouse. You get to see sides that you knew were there and you get to see new sides that you didn't exactly know were there. Some are great. Others you're like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't know you'd respond like this. Uh, (laughs) But regardless, you get to kind of take all of that in and figure out how to move forward in the best way possible uh, in making the relationship stronger than it was. Truly, truly. Well, Natalie, it's been amazing spending time with you as always. Thank you for taking time out from being in Mexico to have this conversation and we'll put all of the links and everything in the show notes, but let everyone know where they can follow you on Instagram and where else they can keep up with you at. Awesome. Yes. Follow me at Natalie Workman, N-A-D-A-L-I-E Workman, W-O-R-K-M-A-N. As Gina said, I am great with Insta stories. My posts are like a little inconsistent, but I love Insta stories. So I'd love to spend time with you and catch up with you there. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. And is there any other way that people can stay in touch with you? 
Yes. So every day I do a Facebook live with our Cardinal Ventures Facebook group. It is called 10X People Skills. Uh, I come live at 9.05 Pacific time every single weekday and we talk about people skills. So that is where we can connect probably the easiest. That is a commitment, girlfriend. Good for you. Good it's fun. Good. Good, good, good. Well, so much love to you. Tell Brandon hello. Thank you for being here. And uh, I can't wait to see what's next for you. Thank you, Gina. Are you ready to confidently manifest your biggest dreams and your pinch me OMG desires? Because I know I am and I have the perfect Black Friday Cyber Monday special for you to thrive, to soar to the heights, to get rid of any form of lack or negativity or can't or financial struggle, because you and I were meant for greatness. So let's get together and do what we need to do to develop our queenhood, to further develop our spiritual superpowers, get so crystal clear on our desires and up the faith, the confidence and the certainty so that no matter what, we are manifesting our biggest dreams together. And oh, by the way, not one day and not far out into the future, I'm talking right here, right now, over the next 90 days even. Let's draw in the miracles. Let's really get into our power. Let's create something new so we can stop being bored, so we can stop being stuck and stop being in the struggle. So for the first time ever, I am launching a live online Audacity to be Queen book club event. That's right. It's all about the unapologetic art of dreaming big and manifesting your most fabulous life. For the first time, I'm going to be going through the teachings of the book in depth in this live event where you get to come, get coached, ask your questions, be around other queens who are totally going for the same thing. If you haven't read my book yet, you'll want to pick that up. But for those of you that have, you know it's all about living your epic life, developing spirituality, is your superpower, deepening into femininity, understanding that you have a purpose. And for such a time as this, and only from this position of queen, can you fulfill your calling. We're going to understand the human condition of our conditioning and why our brain thinks a certain way and why we've been in this sort of plateau or money struggle that we've been in. And then time to catapult it, time to claim the throne, claim your queenhood, and doing it the feminine way, the spiritual way, so that you have access to the divine. You're not trying to figure out everything on your own. And the combination of all of this is going to have you manifesting your miracles, not one day, but starting now. So come join us for the Audacity to be Queen book club event. It's going to be amazing. And I want to see you there. You need to remember who you are. You get to be the woman that you came here to be. And I know that you know there's talent and brilliance and greatness in you. And some of this year may have knocked some of that around. So we're going to get you back into alignment, back into your power. Check out this amazing Black Friday special I've got for you. It's going to get you back on your path for success, being able to manifest every single dream you desire. Oh my goodness, how much did you love, love, love this conversation? Please go ahead and take a screenshot of this episode right now. And I want you to tag me on Instagram and share with me what your biggest takeaway was. I love being in conversation with you, hearing from you, DM me. Um, and I really love getting what is the one big takeaway that you got from this episode? Let me know on Instagram. 